0: Hey guys, welcome to Times Taking Podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us today. So, if you follow us on Facebook or on Instagram, you know we've posted links to different articles on parts of the history of timekeeping. But today we're going to dive into the different methods of timekeeping people have used throughout the ages. So, it's believed that the earliest attempt to count the days was in the Simliki Valley in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. They used a hash-marked bone and attempted to count the days. This was all the way back in 18,000 B.C. And, of course, there's no way to know if people have used different methods to keep track of time previous to this, but this is what researchers today believe is the very first mark. And then... There was no improvements found in timekeeping until 1500 B.C. when the Egyptians invented the sundial. Now, these are pretty commonly known today, but in case you don't know what a sundial is, they are shaped as either tall pillars or they can be portable and flat. They keep track of time by dividing days into equal parts, and they were widely used even after 1500 A.D., So, the next development was just a 100 years later, and they were water clocks, which is what I find the most fascinating. And they were used by slowly flowing water from one vessel into another and measuring the liquid level against marked intervals. Egyptians could see how much time passed without using sunlight, which was a big deal back then. And then, similar methods of timekeeping were used by relying on sand, burnt incense, and scored candle. For the following years, unfortunately, inventors didn't think of a new method of keeping time. Rather, they just continued to better these water clocks. And these improvements included making bells and gongs on them, moved pointers, dials, and even astrological methods of the universe. Now, moving forward almost 2,000 years later, in the year 725, the first known mechanical clock was invented by a Chinese monk, Yi Xing, and a scholar, Lang Lingzin. Hopefully, I said those right. If not, they're spelled Y-I-X-I-N-G, and then the scholar's name is spelled L-I-A-N-G, and last name is L-I-A-N-G-Z-A-N. And then, this mechanical clock was used as flowing water had spun a wheel, an interlocking system of rods and levers marked the time with a drumbeat every quarter, and then a bell would sound every full hour. Then, by the 13th century, century, sorry, the equinox was 11 days out of sync with the Julian calendar. So, to solve this issue... English philosopher Roger Bacon subdivided the globe as units of time. Now, the, be- the next big turn of timekeeping wasn't until the 15th century when a French duke may have owned the first clock to drive its gears with a spring instead of water or weights. The design allowed for compact timepieces like pocket watches, along with that, it helped boost the accuracy of watches. Later versions only dropped four minutes a day, but by 1656, as springs began to unwind, they became inaccurate, causing problems for precision-craving astronomers such as Galileo. So, by the 17th century, Dutch scientist Christian Huygens built a pendulum clock, and these are three-foot-long swinging weights, which only lost one minute per day. By 1883, the U.S. established four time zones to help better the ways of keeping track of time. By the next year, the governments of all nations had recognized the benefits of a worldwide standard of time for things such as navigation and trade, So, at the 1884 International Meridian Conference in Washington, D.C., the globe was divided into 24 time zones. This allowed each region of the world to keep a more accurate idea of time because, as we all know today, it's not the same time in every corner of the world. Continuing along, in 1927, it was found that gravity slowed down pendulums, so... It happens that about the same time, researchers at the Bell Laboratories found that electrified quartz crystal vibrates more consistently. Earlier models aired by one-third of a second each year, allowing for precision measurements like tracking gravity at sea. Now, coming closer to the end of this, roughly 20 years later in 1949, it was found atoms resonate even more reliably than quartz. Using microwaves to track these oscillations, the National Brewer of Standard Time made a timer accurate to one second in eight months. By 1967, atomic clocks made a more precise second possible, though it took nearly two decades for researchers to agree on this standard, They finally matched a second to the precise frequency of energy a cesium atom releases when its electrons jump. In 2001, visible light let inventors detect faster vibrations than microwaves do. This led to optic clocks that aired just a second every 140 million years. This was too fragile to run longer than a few days, unfortunately. These stickers could eventually cause redefinition of the second yet again. Then, our latest redefinition of timekeeping was in just 2015. There was an invention of an optic lattice clock, which is the most precise atomic clock yet, using strontium atoms, which keeps time accurately to within one second, her 15 billion years. Now that's just mind-boggling. It's crazy to think how far timekeeping has really come from using hash-marked bones to count the days to relying on atoms and light. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast today, guys. If you have any questions you want answered or ideas you want explored, let us know and I'd love to answer those questions or explore those ideas right here on our podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the next segment of this episode. Um, For this segment, we're going to focus solely on the progression of watches and how they helped the overall track of keeping time. Um, So from the research I completed, I found that Peter Henlon invented what's today considered the first pocket watch. And this was in the beginning of the 15th century. The exact date's been disputed over the different sources I looked, so I didn't include the exact date, but they all agreed on the fact that it's in the beginning of the 15th century. Now, later on in this century, watches were made popular and worn with small chains to keep them attached to a person's body, and of course only the rich wore them, and this was a big way for these people to show their status in their day. and Then, later on, in the 1600s, the minute hand was invented and was introduced first in Britain and France, which is a big part of watches. Um, then, you move forward about 200 years, and the first watch wrist watch sorry, was made by Patrick Philippe. Which later inspired the perpetual calendar, split second hands, the cornograph, and the minute repeater and watches. And this first watch made by him was actually a ladies bracelet watch. And then about two years after he created what he named the wrist watch. Um so also going along with this Back in those days, wristwatches were only worn by women primarily. It was kind of a girly thing, so men weren't really caught wearing wristwatches. So in 1876, there was a breakthrough for watch materials that made them a lot cheaper. And this allowed average, the average Joe to finally own a pocket watch and not just a luxury item anymore. Then, moving forward about four years, Constant Girard developed the concept of wristwatches that were made for German naval offices, who at this time ordered 2,000. This represented the first commercialization of wristwatches. Then, moving forward 20 years in 1900s, Wristwatches were still very in fashion for women, but men were often quoted saying they would sooner wear a skirt than a wristwatch. Which to me is just kind of crazy. I didn't, I never thought of it that wristwatches were such a staple in women's fashion only. And obviously, like I mentioned above, men in the military did wear these watches to help them better keep track of time for things like organizing synchronized battles, and all sorts of super awesome things. So in 1904, this was when the first known design for a man's wristwatch was produced by a French jewel house by Louis Carter. Super awesome. Now men can finally start wearing (laughs) wristwatches without being looked down upon or looked at as kind of girly. So the next year, Rolex was opened in an office in Switzerland by Hans Wilsdorf, and Rolex is just a huge watch company. I'm sure you all know about that company. Then, in 1914 and 1918, the First World War began, and this is when men really started to wear pocket watches. Like I said earlier, it helped them to synchronize times for battles and for different attacks, and It was just a big, big help to men fighting the different wars on all sides. And after the First World War, the pocket watch ratio went from 50 to 1 as compared to wristwatches. So, in 1929, the first water-resistant watch was created. And these were wristwatches, of course. And... Around that same time, they introduced quartz to wristwatches, which was revolutionary at the time. Um, Then, moving forward yet again, in 1957, electric watches were invented, which we know is a big deal. Everyone uses electric watches today, and they're super, super handy. So, since then watchmakers have focused on creating cheaper watches such as the swatches and those were released in 1983 and those were just not as fancy plastic bands and they helped more people to be able to have wristwatches because they were still a little bit pricey then in 1999 the omega de was invented by george daniels which had the friction removed, and this allowed watches to become more accurate. But the exact date for this is unknown. Then, in 2010, and up until these last few years, the new addition to wristwatches was made by Samsung, Apple, Motorola, and these are our smartwatches. These watches, I'm sure... Everyone's super familiar with them. They can connect through Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or now even cellular data um, in these last couple of years. And they can do pretty much everything a cell phone can. a cell phone can, sorry. They can also do things such as check your heart rate, and there's just such a wide variety of things these watches can do. They really are quite revolutionary for our day and our time. Along with these smart watches, mechanical and automatic watches are definitely still very popularly used and are continued to being worked on and continuing to be bettered. And who knows exactly what the future of watchmaking may hold. So thanks so much for tuning in again today. And I hope you were able to learn a lot about these wristwatches and pocket watches and how they have changed modern and past ways of keeping time. Thanks so much, guys.